welcome you to the house of the Lord. I want to invite you to go in your Bible to the 13th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. If you have your Bible or on your uh, electronic device there, you can do that as well. It won't bother me. We have been talking about the subject of first. We talked about first build an altar and the importance of a foundation. Last week we shared about the importance of having a determination to face opposition. Today we're going to speak on a rather different subject, but one which is very important for the body of Christ here at Kingsway Church, very important for our nation, and very, very important for Western civilization as we know it, I believe. And so this morning we're going to talk about first... Be a man. Can you say that with me? Be a man. All right. Now, you ladies probably guess I'm going to speak to men this morning. But this message is very important for ladies as well. As I spoke to the coordinator of men's ministry here in the region for Man in the Mirror, I said, does Man in the Mirror provide resources for women's ministry? He said, no. He said, we only provide resources for men's ministry. I said, uh, why is that? He said, because if we fix the men, we solve all the ladies' problems. And isn't that true? So ladies, you need to pray for me this morning. All right? Because if we can get us going, you're going to be all right. Here's what I want you to do, ladies. I want you to hold your elbows, all right? I want you elbowing your man this morning. All right? Keep that to yourself. Let the Holy Spirit do the elbowing. Are we on the same team? All right. First Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writes in verse 11, When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. But when I became a man, I did away with childish things. Say that with me. When I became a man, I put away childish things now go to the last chapter of that book chapter 16 just a few pages away in verse 13 1 Corinthians 16 13 be on the alert stand firm in the faith act like men be strong and let all that you do be done in love Father, I pray the special anointing of the Spirit upon my life this morning. I pray you would give me the strength to preach as well as the anointing to preach. And I pray that you would use this message to speak to the hearts and lives of men this morning in this sanctuary and the women who have men in their lives. We are desperately in need in our day and in our nation of a revival among men. And I pray this morning that that revival would begin at Kingsway Church and that it would begin in the hearts of the men whom you have called to serve you faithfully in this house. I pray that you would anoint the hearing of every listener, that they might receive the word with gladness and bear fruit as a result in their lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 You may be seated. 
As we talk about first, I want to invest in your heart and mind this morning the importance of a determination to be a man. To be a man of God in a, in a world in which God has become a side issue for the hearts of many people. There is on, the, on this church a call from God to raise up godly men. I have shared with you about three years ago as I was in a prayer cabin in Bastrop, Texas, that the Lord put on my heart a question. He said, can you believe me for 500 men? And I knew immediately when he put that in my heart that there was a, there was a mandate on this church. Not just for 500 kids, that would be easy. If God said, I'm going to give you a church with 500 women, that'd be pretty easy too. But 500 men is like uh, getting, a, uh, a, getting a flint and having to shape it and form it. It is a hard task. And yet God has put that mandate upon Kingsway Church. And Kingsway Church has adopted that mandate and has accepted the responsibility of being a church for men and their families. And so I want you this morning to renew your commitment with me to this cause. And as we discuss this all-important issue, that we would see this as one of the first things we need to do as a church and one of the first things we need to do as men of God. To the, to the ladies, I want to say before we get started that if, if there is a man in your life, then this is a time for you to pray. You need to pray as I preach. And maybe that man isn't here, but pray that God would bring this truth alive to his heart. That man may be a little boy that you're raising, but he needs to be raised in the fear of God. He needs to be taught what it means to be a man of God. Maybe that man is your husband, and, and uh, he is a good man and a godly man. And I want you, as I preach today, to say amen and affirm the fact that God has given you a good man. I don't want you to be quiet about it, all right, ladies. I want you to affirm that God has given you a good man because if you had a sorry man, you would be up here moping and complaining about, oh, woe is me, I got a sorry husband. But when we start talking about a good man, it's like, nah, I'm okay. He's all right. I want you to affirm God has blessed my family. He has blessed my home with a good man, with a godly man. Where are the ladies? All right, thank you. And brothers, when I'm speaking, I want you to say amen too, all right? I'm just prepping you because it's going to be hot in here this morning. It's going to get a little warm. Men are the foundation stone of society, said the feminist. But God began the social system, the, 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 the society that God created. He began... By making a man. God said, let us make man in our image and likeness. And upon that, he began to build a family and he added to man a woman. And on that, he built the family and the church and the society that you and I know today. And this is why I believe that this is such a crucial issue for us because if manhood crumbles in America, the entire system falls. 
if men forget to be men, and if men forget to be men of God, America has no real future. It will not be the power that it has been in the past if it cannot adopt this understanding that we must be first men of God and that we must lead with the strength of God in our soul. The Apostle Paul lays at our feet a very important understanding or principle. He compares what it's like to be a boy and what it's like to be a man. He says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. And I judged or I discerned things the way that a child discerns them. He understood that there is a difference between the way a child thinks and the way a man thinks. And this is true in, every, in, in both genders in spiritual maturity. Some of you have been in church a long time, but you are still a spiritual child. Others of you have been in church a brief time, and you have begun to mature and become a mature man or a woman in Christ. Because you see, in the spiritual realm, Maturity doesn't come through time. Maturity comes through faith. When you activate your faith toward God, and you decide to live by the principles of God's word, to be subject to them, you will begin to mature in your Christian faith. You will begin to face step after step and moment after moment in your life when crisis comes, trouble comes, affliction comes, and those things will shape you and mold you into a mature man and a whole man or woman in Christ. And that is the goal. That is my goal as your pastor, to raise you up into maturity. If I feed you cotton candy every Sunday, it's going to be very sweet, but you'll always be hungry, and it won't fill you and it won't grow you spiritually. That's why I've got to feed you spinach every once in a while. And even though you grouse and complain, I know that I'm giving you what you need. Is it all right if I give you what you need? All right. Too many preachers give people what they want. But children don't know what they need. They, they know that they want candy. They know that they want a bag of chips. They know that they want junk food. But mom and dad know what they need. And so there is a difference in the maturity, and I want to encourage you this morning to make up your mind to be a growing and maturing believer, a a growing and maturing Christian. What does a child think like? A child thinks selfishly. A child thinks in a very small space of time. A child doesn't think much beyond its immediate wants and desires. A child is, is, is de- determined to have instant gratification. But a man, a mature man, a mature woman knows that it is better to wait to get what you want. That there are some things in life that are worth waiting for. A child has a mentality that is driven by the self. A mentality that is immature. And that mentality is existing in many times in the church. There are, there are traits that we can find and we can look at and we can, and we can know the difference from the way a child thinks to the way that a man thinks. A child thinks about what it wants. A man thinks about what needs to be done. A child thinks about who can help me. A man thinks about who can I help. A child thinks about what can I consume. A man thinks about what can I produce. Am I talking to anybody this morning? A child thinks, nobody said hi to me. 
A man says, who can I greet and say hi to at church? Who can I welcome into the body of Christ? A child says, they won't let me preach at that church. They won't let me sing. They don't appreciate my gift. A man says, there's a thousand street corners in Beeville. I'll just preach from there if I have to, but I can use my gifts wherever they are available to me. A child says, why do we have to talk about money at church? Why does pastor have to make me uncomfortable when he preaches? A man says, bring it on, pastor. Give me what I need to hear. A child thinks in terms of himself. A man thinks in terms of others. And he thinks in terms of how he can serve the world that God has put him into. When I was a child, I I thought like a child. I reasoned as a child. I spoke as a child. But when I became a man... I put away childish things. Do you hear the word of the Lord this morning, Kingsway? God is calling us at the beginning of this year to put away childish things, to put away childish behaviors, childish habits, childish ways of thinking, and childish ways of looking at the world, and to adopt the mantle of maturity, to adopt the responsibility of looking at the world through God's eyes and not through the eyes of our own understanding. He says, I put away childish things. We have a crisis in America. It's a crisis of manhood. I have discovered that there are 30-year-old men still playing video games in their mother's basement. We have a problem in America. What is going on? There is a, a crisis when men aren't putting away childish things. I told you it was going to get interesting this morning. You see, most cultures have a rite of passage, a time when a boy becomes a man. We don't have that in our culture. And so we have begun to lose that sense of that moment when maturity begins to occur and there is a shift from being a, from being a boy to being a man. In some cultures, for instance, in Africa, a boy is sent into the woods to kill the wild beast. And when he brings that lion back dead, then he's a man. And in other cultures, such as the Jewish culture, they have the bar mitzvah. And at the age of 13, there is a process that is underway. But in America, we have lost that ritual that leads boys into manhood. And as a result, boys are wandering aimlessly in our society and even in our churches without knowing what God has called them to be. But I'm here today to tell you, Kingsway, God has put a mandate on this church to teach boys how to be men, to teach young men how to be men of God and men of virtue and men who are willing to put the needs of others above themselves. Now, I'm going to need some agreement in here this morning. I'm going to preach this with or without you, but I, it, it, I know you agree with me because you are, you are reaping the rewards of the society that you and I are living in. Men who don't hold doors open for ladies. We have a crisis in our society. When men think it's about me and, not, and there isn't a decision to serve anybody else, we have a crisis in our society. Paul says it's time to act like a man. It's time to put away childish things. Let me bring to your attention the story of a young man named David. The Bible said that his father sent him to carry cheese and bread to his brothers on the battlefield. David went out there, and when he got out there, he discovered that Goliath, that giant who had provoked Israel, had come once again. Forty days, Goliath had taunted the people of God 
twice a day he had taunted them. Total of 80 taunts. He'd come out there and say, let your warrior come out and fight me. Come out and face me. And the man that, that defeats me will defeat all of Philistia. But if I defeat him, then I will defeat all of Israel. And the men of Israel in the camps were afraid. And here comes this young man named David. And David hears this conversation. And I love the question he asks. He says, hey, what's going to happen to the man that kills this giant? David wasn't thinking about uh, what's going to happen if I wound him. He was already planning to kill that giant. He said, what's going to happen to the man that kills this giant? He was a boy. He was a young man. But he was already thinking like a mature man. He already had in his vision, in his scope, what God could do through his life. And so he begins to ask mankind of questions. What's going to happen to that man? They say, well, the man that kills the giant is going to be enriched by the king. And he's going to be given a, uh, the king's daughter for a bride. And he's going to be tax-free, him and his family, for the rest of his generations. And David was thinking about that. But he also was thinking about the fact that a few years before, maybe a few Months before, he had been anointed to be king of Israel. And he must have thought, you know what? This is a step in that direction. And so he took a man kind of step, even in the midst of men who were older than him, bolder than him, better equipped than him. But he decided, I'm going to be a man in this world. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And friends, this is the command and commission of God for us in 2016. If you want stability in your home, it's time to act like a man. If you want stability for your, for your family, it's time to act like a man. You want stability in your finances, you have to act like a man. I wish I could get an amen in the house of the Lord this morning. All right, I'm going to give you some, some indications of what a man is like. Are you ready? I want you to jot these down. Now, if, if, you, uh, if, you have, uh, if you have accomplished these things, and many of you have, I, I, I know that, then I want you to just agree with me that this is the goal that God has set. And if you are raising boys, I want you to agree with me this morning that these are the standards that you're going to set in your family for what it means to be a man. Number one, are we ready? Let's try that again. Are we ready? All right, number one, a man supports himself. Let's hear an amen. A man supports himself. He knows how to work. And he knows how to provide for himself. If you want to be a man, you must learn to support yourself. You realize that Adam was put in the Garden of Eden and God gave him a job. Some people think work came as a result of the fall. But work didn't come as a result of the fall. Work came before the fall. God gave Adam a purpose. He gave him a mission in life. Young man, you will never be able to be fully satisfied until you find your purpose in life. Let me put it to you like this. If you follow the pattern of Genesis, God made man in his image. That meant the first thing Adam knew was who he was. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Then the Bible said that God gave him a job. He gave him work. And he began to do that job. He had his purpose. And then God gave him a mate. So you see, the mate came after he got the job. Are you following the trend in here? You see, he first had something to do, and then he had someone to help him do it. Can I ask you a question? If you're not doing anything, why do you need a help mate? 
If you're not living for some purpose, why do you need a wife? You have to find out what is God put me on this planet to do. And when you know what that job is and you go out and do it, God says he will bless whatsoever things you do. Not plan to do, hope to do, wish you did. God will bless what you do. A good man, a man of God supports himself. When I was young, my brothers and I, we were required to work. I don't, we didn't get an allowance. Allowance is a new idea. We didn't get allowances. We had to work. And then the, when, you, when you got paid, you took your money to daddy. Doesn't that sound unfair? That was the way our family functioned. When we worked, we made money, and we took our money to dad. And we became, we became contributors in our home. And that began to build into us some character that said, it's not all about you. It's not all about you. You have to contribute something. And this is what I am most concerned about in our society. We have some boys who are growing up and all they know how to do is devour and consume. They don't know how to produce anything. And how far can America go? How far can the church go if if everybody's a consumer and nobody is a producer? No one is developing anything. I want to ask you this morning, men, what are you producing? What are you developing? Young man, young, you have to make up your mind. I'm going to be a contributor in this world. I'm going to add something. If I'm going to, if I'm going to live on this planet 70 or 80 years and draw breath, then let me after my last breath leave something behind that wasn't there when I got here. Let me add something to this world. Let me add something to this church. If you're going to be a member of this church, you're going to be a man in this church, contribute your time, your effort, your money, your prayer into this house. Be a man who is determined to build up the kingdom of God. And so we were, we were taught that to be contributors in our home. We have lost that value in America today. And so we have boys who look like men, but they act like boys. They think like boys. They think like children. And God is saying it's time to put away childish things. Boys don't understand what to do. They don't understand what needs to be done. Somebody has to lead them by the hand. Somebody has to tell them. But a man knows. A man knows his purpose. And he goes out and he does it to the glory of God. There is still something to be said for doing a basic job like plumbing or carpentry or being a mechanic or being a a, a truck driver. There is something to be said for being a man who has a job and who is able to bring glory to God by doing a good job every time he goes to work. Can I get an amen in the house of God this morning? There is something to be said about that. It's a lost art. But it is an important thing. So, so young ladies, if you're in here and you say, I'm looking for a man, let me just say, number one, if he doesn't know how to support himself, you don't have a man yet, all right? Just wait a little while or find somebody else. If he takes you on a date and makes you pay for it, you haven't found a man yet. If he splits the check with you, you haven't found a man yet, all right? If he won't open the door for you, you haven't found a man yet. Can I get some help in here? Come on. I'm trying to save you some grief, young ladies. I don't care how many hours he works out. If he doesn't know how to support himself, you haven't found a man yet. Mm -mm. 
cold outside and it's warm in here. <laughs> Number two, a man is a team player. A man understands that he's on a team. This is very, very natural for men to be a part of a team. Some of you are Dallas Cowboys, team players. Some of you are Spurs, team players. Can I get you to get on your team at home? Get on your team with your wife and your children. That's where it counts. I don't care if you're a fan of of the Dallas Cowboys. Be a fan of your home. Be a fan of your family. Put in your most passion, your greatest passion right there because that's where God has called you to be. A man is built to be a team player, to to contribute his strength to the strengths of others. And God has put you in a home to be a team player. And he wants you to be a, a, a contributor to that home. So sometimes being a team player means you have to sit down and set a budget with your family. Instead of just letting things ride and letting things go. Sometimes you have to sit down and say, look, this is how, this is how we're going to do this. We need to come into agreement about our finances. We need to come into agreement about how we're going to uh, uh, attend church. We need to come into agreement about our spiritual life. A man knows that he's not in it alone and that he is there to, to be a part of a, of a team. He is faithful to his wife, and he pursues her for the rest of her life. That is his, his commitment as a team player. And so, friends, if you and I can just make up in our mind that I'm going to be a team player, I'm going to be a part of this family. I'm not just going to, I'm not just going to wander into, into things. And young man, if you're a teenager, you already need to be a team player in that, in that house. If, you are, if you're a teenager, nobody needs to tell you to take out the trash anymore. If it's trash in the trash can, take it out. Become a man. Decide, I'm going to do this even if nobody tells me. And guess what? God will honor you when you do that. I thought I could get some help in church this morning. You know what a child does? A child walks past a trash can. A man says, I'll carry that out right now. A child walks past a piece of garbage on the yard. A man picks it up. I'm going to leave that alone. Just turn it off. Are there any men in the house? All right, I like the sound of that. Number three, a man takes responsibility. Say that with me. A man takes responsibility. First of all, he holds himself accountable. He holds himself accountable. When he overspends, he doesn't talk about, oh, my wife spent all the money. He starts with him. He holds himself accountable for his habits, his behaviors. He doesn't say, well, I didn't have a daddy and I didn't have a mama. He puts away childish things. And he says, if, if, if anybody's going to do it for me, it's going to be me. The cavalry is not coming. How many of you know that? Nobody's going to show up and rescue you. God has put it into you to be a responsible man and to take accountability for yourself. But not only that, a man makes himself accountable to others. 
A man will allow other men to speak into his life. A man will allow himself to be corrected. I don't know anybody that likes correction, but a wise man will say, I need somebody in my life to correct me. Somebody to tell me I have gone off track. I have gone astray. Correction hurts sometimes, but you need to have a voice in your life that is correcting you. Otherwise, you will go astray. I shared with you a couple weeks ago. I'm your pastor, but I have a pastor. I'm an accountable man. There are mentors in my life. I'm accountable to these men to whom I go and say, this is what I'm thinking about this. What do you think? This is the decision I'm thinking about making. What do you make? What do you think of it? Why? Because I know there's too much riding on me being a lone ranger. I can, you cannot afford to have a lone ranger pastor. You need somebody leading you who is being led by somebody else. And so, friends, when there is accountability, there is security. A man like this adopts the attitude of a son. What is a son? A son is someone who takes the attitude of saying, I can learn from you. I can, I can be accountable to you. I can learn from what God has put in your life. Friend, we have a, a men's ministry here where our passion is to build up men, to put men in your life, men, mentors in your life who can help guide you, somebody that will call you and say, hey, I didn't see you in church. Where were you? You might not like it. It might feel a little uncomfortable. But when you make yourself accountable like that, it, makes, it puts you in a position to be able to grow, to be able to prosper in the things of God. And when you decide, I'm going to be a lone ranger, I'm going to do it myself, then you're going to reap the rewards of that before too long. A man makes himself responsible for the spiritual climate of his home. Where is it says that your wife is responsible for the spiritual climate of your home? No, sir. You are responsible for the prayer life of your house you are responsible for the spiritual climate I'm not getting any help in here but I'm going to just preach this point you are responsible before God he's going to look at you first he's going to call you first and when the, therm- when the spiritual thermostat is broken in the man thank God for godly women but there is so much power when you have husband and wife in unity Walking toward the same goal, toward the same aim, and there is a there is a, a, a they're in sync with what God is saying in that season, and so that's your responsibility. Can I just point out a couple of things here? If you're a responsible man, get life insurance. Pastor's selling life insurance after church. I bet you, he's got a table out there can sell life insurance. No, I'm not selling life insurance, but I'm just telling you this. Look, hundred percent of us are going to die. I had no idea until Pastor mentioned it. We're all going to die. So guess what? Leave your wife a little security when you go. Come on, I need some help in here this morning. Otherwise, I got to go comfort her because you you left and then figure out how we're going to pay for that funeral. Come on, be a responsible man. I don't, I don't mean plan on dying tomorrow. I just mean be ready. Be ready. There was a lady, she was, she was a very wealthy, very wealthy woman, but she, she had a painting made of her, and she had these beautiful jewels 
painted on her in that portrait. She didn't actually have the jewels, but she just had them painted. And the, the artist said, ma'am, why do you want these jewels painted? She said, look, just as sure as the world, I'm going to die first. And then all that insurance money is going to go to my husband and his new young wife. And I want her looking everywhere in this house for that set of jewelry. You can't help what happens when you leave, but make sure you don't leave a mess behind. That was a good amen, but let me have a real amen. amen. Be responsible for your health. Get a checkup. Get a physical. Find out where you are. All right. All right. I feel the unction. Number four. A man stands for his convictions even when he must stand alone. A man of God stands on the word of God, inflexibly on the word of God. He, he says, you might do it that way, but me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Everybody else may go on that way, but me and my house, we're going to put God first. We're going to serve the Lord. And that man who sets himself on those convictions, he is firm in his faith and unwavering in that determination. Friend, we lack so much of what it is to be a man of conviction. Why do you think it is America has come to a disgust of politicians? But you see, we have politicians in, the, in Washington that are no better than the men we have in our homes. Wishy-washy. Today I'm for it. Tomorrow I'm against it. No, we need to make up my mind. I am going to serve the Lord. I am going to be a man of principle, a man of character, a man of integrity. Can I tell you something about integrity? Integrity is who you are when nobody else is watching. Integrity is who you are when you can get away with it. Integrity is who you are when everybody else thinks you're, you're doing it just fine. You have an opportunity to flex on that integrity, but you stand by your conviction. Friend, the Bible says that a man who walks in integrity walks in a secure place. He walks in safety. When you don't lie about anything, you don't have to worry about anybody catching you in a lie. When you tell the truth, there's no problem with anybody catching you lying. When you are not cheating on your taxes, you don't have to look over your shoulder for an IRS agent. Come on, church. I'm talking about safety. You want stability in your home? Bring integrity into your heart. I heard a man say the other day, and this, this I loved. It's my, it's my desire for my own life. He said, I never heard my father tell a lie. And I thought, wouldn't that be the legacy I would like to leave for my son or my daughter, God willing? To be able to know that all the days of their life they saw me stumble and fall. But they knew that I was a man of integrity. A man who stood right before God. A man who knew the power of a prayer closet. A man who knew what it was like to confess sin. A man who knew what it was like to get right before God. That man will be a man who stands firm in the midst of trial and in the midst of test. Number five, a man is a protector. God has created you, sir, to be a protector. He's created you slightly physically stronger, in some cases more uh, greatly physically stronger than women. 
Somebody said the only reason God didn't make women stronger physically was so that they wouldn't take over the world. I think that's probably true. But he made man to be a protector. It's your job, sir, to protect what God has given you. To protect the woman that God has put in your life. To protect those children. You are the guardian of the gate. You are the watchman in the watchtower. You can't come running to the preacher and say, I don't know what happened. If you haven't been in the watchtower standing watch over your own family, that is your post. I'll stand in my watchtower. You stand in yours. We'll both be men and we'll both see to it that God gives us victories over our enemies. Is there anybody in here this morning that's listening? God has called us to be a watchman, to look out, to say that is not of God. To say, we're not bringing that into this house. To say, this is the end of that. Those friends you've got, they're not your friends anymore. But they are my friends. They are not your friends anymore. We're drawing the line. That is the role of a protector. To say, this is an evil influence in your life. And to cut it out and to bring it to nothing. God has called you to be a protector of women. And to be a protector of your family. And when you do that, there is such satisfaction, in it, isn't there? There is such satisfaction in knowing that you are able to defend what God has given you. That you are able, instead of cutting and running, to stand. The Bible says that Jesus told us that a hired shepherd runs away when the lion or a bear comes to devour the, the flock. But a man stands up and says, I'm going to defend that flock. I'm going to defend what God has given me. Can I ask you a question? Is what you have worth defending? Amen. Is what you have worth standing up for? Amen. Then I charge you in the name of God, put away childish things. Become the protector of your home by the grace of God. And then number six, a man has a cause and he takes action. And I want you to go to the book of Job with me. Job chapter 29. Open your Bibles if you would. Chapter 29 of Job verse 12. That's just about right in the middle of your Bible. Now just to the left of the book of Psalms. And Job tells us what the character of a man is in this case. A man has a cause and he takes action. Listen friends. A man understands that he is living for something greater than himself. A man knows that there is more to life than just drawing breath. That there is a purpose and a plan. Can I challenge you this morning to be a dreamer? You say, Pastor, I'm past dreaming. No, sir. If you are still able to breathe, keep on dreaming. There is no end to what God will do through us if we will set our heart to dream great dreams for God. To say, I might, I might have been past my, my youth, but I'm going to use my young adulthood for God. You might say, well, I'm past my young adulthood. Then use your adulthood for God. You might say, well, I'm past that. I'm into old age now. Use your old age for God. Make whatever contribution you can from where you are. Listen to what Job said. He said, I have delivered the poor when they cried for help and the orphan who had no helper. He says, the blessing of the one ready to perish came upon me, and I made the widow's heart sing for joy. What a thought. Job says, as a man, I contributed to the lives of others. I helped the poor. I rescued orphans. And when I helped widows, it brought joy to their heart. He says, I put on righteousness. He's talking about integrity. He says, and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. Verse 15, he says, I was eyes to the blind and feet 
to the lame. He says, I was a father to the needy, and I, and I investigated the case of him who had no advocate. I broke the jaws of the wicked, and I snatched the prey from his teeth. That is the resume of a man who knows. I'm on this earth for more than just the weekend. I'm on this more earth for more than just a party. I'm on this earth for more than a high. I'm on this earth to leave something that says that God used a man one day. That God was, a, 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 was a active in my life. And friend, God has called you to lead. You know who you have to lead first? You have to lead yourself. Sir, you have to lead yourself first. I have to lead myself first. It won't do any good for me to lead you if I don't lead me. I have to start right here and say I'm going to find what God has designed me to do. And I'm going to do it with all of my heart. I'm going to dream big dreams for God and accomplish his purpose in my life. And finally, friend, a man is one who knows his limitations. A man knows that he can't know everything. A man knows that he can't do everything. And so he finds that he must depend upon God. This is ultimately the kernel, the foundation upon which you and I will be effective in this cause. When we realize that we must depend upon God. That we must yield to Him. That as we find ourselves in a generation that has abandoned Him. And we stand against the crowd and say, I will serve the Lord. That man knows that he can't change himself. He finds that he must be changed by Almighty God. He knows that he can't do those things that his family needs him to do. That his wife needs him to do. That his children need him to do. Apart from the operating grace of God in his life. That man who finds his limitations will find as Paul said. He said, when I am weak then I am strong. Because my, where my strength ends, God's strength begins. And it's right there in that moment where there is that shift of confidence from me to God that I can become the man of God that God has called me to be and that you can become the man that God has called you to be. It's time to put away childish things. It's time to make up your mind. Maybe you're a man physically, but spiritually you're a child. You haven't grown. It's time to make up your mind. I want to grow. I want to be a consistent man. I want to lead my family to church, not send them to church. I want to lead my family to church. I want to lead them in the study of the scriptures. I want to lead them in the study of, in prayer. I want to be that man who's dependent upon God. That man who knows that if it had not been for the goodness of the Lord, that I would have despaired and fallen. That man who knows that if it had not been for the Lord, for His help, for His grace, in that moment of need, that He would have been utterly destroyed. And so, friend, I want to challenge you this morning. Men of Kingsway, it's time to act like men. To stand and face the battle. To stand and face the crisis and the conflict of our days. I know it seems like an insurmountable fight. You and I can't change everybody. We can start right here. We can start in our own life and in our own home. And if we will make that commitment, I believe God will send us the men that he wants us to shape and form for his glory. And I believe God will give every household in this church the wisdom to raise up your sons to be godly men. Not only men who come to church, 
but men who are the church. Men who are a part of what God is doing in their generation. Men who are willing to sacrifice and to put it all on the line for the sake of someone else. You see, friends, ultimately, our greatest example of this is Christ. He took our sin. He took our shame and our sorrow. And he laid it upon himself. He protected us from the wrath of Almighty God. Suffering the wrath of God in our place. He suffered on the cross for the penalty of sin which he had not committed. He took the guilt of others and became guilty himself. So that he might make us free. He took our yoke so that we would walk in freedom. He took our, he took our death so that we could have his life. He took our misery so that we could have his joy. He took our brokenness so that we could have his wholeness. He took our sin that we might have his righteousness. He is the great man, the, the, the example by which we live. But not only that, he's not an example merely. He is your mentor if you'll let him. If you will lead, let him into your life, he will shape your heart. He'll make you the man that he wants you to be. If you will invite Christ into your life, he will make you the man that he wants you to be. He won't leave it to chance. He won't leave it to, 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 to time. But he will form you and make you. All it takes is a man that says, God, I want to be formed by you. I want to be shaped by you. I want to be accountable to you. Because I want to fulfill the purpose for which you have called me. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. And I know this has been a heavy, a heavy topic for some of you. But I want you to begin to pray right where you stand. That you would receive this challenge to be a man in a generation of boys. To be a determined man, whether you're a teenager, a young adult, or an adult. To say, I want to be stable. So that the lives that I touch, I bring stability wherever I go. The first step in that is when you make God the centerpiece of your life. And you invite Christ into your heart. You say, Lord, I'm weak. Make me strong. I'm unwise. Make me wise. I'm limited. Give me that power which is from without me.